Sabbath, everybody. Uh, please stand as we uh, read our uh, scripture reading for today. Uh, it will be uh, Hebrew 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to a division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. May this scripture be a blessing to all. You all sit down. Uh, Heavenly Father, again, I just ask you to be with me as I present this, this message. I pray your blessing upon these lips and upon the words that I have before me. And I pray that you energize and strengthen and give the ability to speak in a way that pleases you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Young lady knocked on the door and went to the house and the door was open she entered the house and she said, my name is Mary Jones, sir. Do you have any Bibles for sale? She was just 16 years old and she was a Welsh farm girl. Her father had died when she was just four years old and her mother had to work hard to survive. Uh, when Mary became a Christian at eight, her passion was to read the stories in the Bible for herself. Just eight years old, can you imagine? She wanted to read the stories in the Bible for herself. And, and, and she went to her mother and she asked her mother to have money to buy a Bible. And her mom said, no, we don't have any money to buy a Bible. But this little girl was determined and sold eggs from chickens a neighbor had given her, washed people's clothes, and took care of children. And it took her six years. The young girl saved her pennies to have enough money to buy her very own Welsh Bible. The nearest place to buy one was from Reverend Thomas Charles in Bala, and that was more than 26 miles away. Keep in mind, this was in the late 1700s. And she said, I know it would be a long ways, but God will go with me. And she walked barefoot because she did not want to ruin her stockings or her shoes. She arrived at the house. And the gentleman said, I'm sorry, but I promised the last Bible I have to someone else a few days ago, Reverend Charles said. But seeing the tears in Mary's eyes and hearing her story, he decided the other person could wait a little longer. He could not send Mary back empty-handed. Now you may think the story ends there, but it doesn't. A short time later, Reverend Charles was at a meeting of the Religious Tract Society in London and told Mary's story in a, in a discussion of the tremendous need 
for Bibles. The Tract Society did not feel it could meet the demand, so a new organization was formed to supply Welsh Bibles. And if it were, and if for Wales, why not for the kingdom? Why not for the whole world, said some of the men at the meeting. So a new organization was formed, and it was called the British and Foreign Bible Society, which since 1804 has published more than half a billion Bibles of Scripture in 700 languages. All because a young lady wanted a Bible. So I ask you, what would you do to obtain a Bible? Would you sacrifice your meal? Would you sacrifice some article of clothing, some favorite thing? What would you do to get God's word? We're going to show a short video later at the end of this message. And you'll see what some people do. You'll be amazed. God's word is such a thing of power. What does the Bible mean to us? What does the Bible mean to you is a question you need to ask in your heart. What does it mean to us? Jeremiah 15, 16, if you're turning your Bibles, many of us know the passage. It's a well-known passage. Jeremiah 15, 16. Jeremiah declares, your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. By the way, if you continue to read about Mary Jones, and you can certainly look her up on the internet, on her monument, there is a Welsh Bible in stone. And you, her actual Bible, you can actually see that, and it's in a museum. There's some handwriting from her on it. How she loved her Bible. Do we love our Bible? Is it the joy and rejoicing of our hearts? Do we find that we Look forward to reading it with great anticipation. And many times, of course, I have a lot of trouble with sleep. Everybody knows that. And sometimes I get up because I know I'm not going to go back to sleep. And it can be 2.30 in the morning. And the other night I woke up at 2, 2, 2 or 2.30 in the morning. And I grabbed my Bible and I went to lay on the couch and you know, got a little light and um, read the letter to letter that Peter wrote, you know, first Peter. 
And as I read, you know, I, I ask, Lord, show me something from this. Teach me. What do you want me to learn in this message? And I think that's what we need to do when we open God's word. We need to open it with prayer. We need to open it asking God to reveal to us, as the psalmist said, great and wondrous things from your law. Read with anticipation. For it's God's letter to you. It's a personal letter. He says in another passage, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with everlasting kindness, I have drawn you. Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men to myself. Look upon Jesus on that cross. You'll find him in the Old Testament. You'll find him in the New Testament. The cross of Calvary. Preach it, teach it, sing it, and it will break and melt hearts. His, Jeremiah's feeding on God's word, brought joy and rejoicing to his heart, and those words became to him sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. Psalm 19, verse 10. The word of God properly read is sweet and is cause for rejoicing. Turn your Bibles, Philippians 4, verse 4. great apostle Paul writes rejoice in the Lord always again I will say rejoice how do we rejoice Paul was in a prison yet he's telling him to rejoice he was happy how do we rejoice in the midst of conflict in the midst of controversies, in the midst of anguish, in the midst of bloodshed, in the midst of war. Years ago, I noticed a book. I didn't buy it, but it was in the self-help section of the bookstore. It says, don't sweat the small things. And Underneath it, in parentheses, it says, and it's all small things. But how do we rejoice? I mean, is it all small things? Sometimes it doesn't seem like they're small things, does it? In all things, give thanks. Hard lesson to learn, hard lesson for me to learn. How do you be thankful? when you lose your job? How do you be thankful when the car breaks down and you have to pay hundreds or thousands of dollars to get a new one or to get it fixed? How do you be thankful when you open the fridge and there's only a few items in it? We should not let these matters damage our joy in Christ. 
but should resolve them and rejoice in all circumstances of life. The joy, this joy expresses itself in gentleness, reasonableness, and graciousness. Jesus desired this for his followers. John 13, 35. By this you will all know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Which leads me to another question. How then is this accomplished? How do we go from being uh, worldly, unloving, unkind, ungracious, filled with lust, parties, and selfish ambitions? Turn to Romans chapter 12. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The Greek word for transformed is not a noun, it's a verb. And it implies that it's not the person who is being transformed that's doing the transforming. It is some other agency. It is the Holy Spirit. It's the work done by the Holy Spirit taking possession of the mind, spirit, heart, and character. Good fruit will be produced. Compulsive, irresistible sins will be overcome. Evil thoughts are not allowed in the mind. Evil habits are purged with the soul temple. Wrong dispositions and feelings are changed. New principles of action supplied. And there is a new standard of character. Yes, God's word is powerful. The psalmist asks, how can a young man... Or how can a young lady cleanse their way? By taking heed according to your word, Psalm 119.9. Victory and temptation comes to those who effectively employ the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, as stated in Ephesians 6.17. It was written, was the way the master met. Satan's subtle allurements. You think the devil knows the Bible? He came at Jesus quoting the Bible to him. Jesus knew the Bible better than the devil. many deceptions in the world. We must, by God's grace, open his word and seek to understand it, that we may withstand the attacks of the enemy. 
camp meeting. It was a seminar called Biblical Response Therapy. And I saw the title of it. I said, I must attend this seminar. And uh, I started on Tuesday and ended on Friday. And I thought it started on Monday and I missed the first one. He said, no, no, this is the first one, Tuesday through Friday. And uh, how thankful I am for it because, you know, it teaches how to apply the words of Scripture for healing because God wants to heal us, not just physically, but the whole, the mind, the body, and the spirit. He wants us to be perfect in him. And the way that he accomplishes that is by his word, and his word is powerful. We must apply it to whatever circumstance we have in life. The young and the old folk must imply, employ the same spiritual weapon that Jesus used. And that is a plain, thus says the Lord. The Bible describes these weapons as mighty in God, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The mind must feed constantly upon the word, else the defense of the soul will break down and Satan will gain the advantage. A neglect to study and meditate upon the word for even a day results in serious loss. So I would encourage you, don't just read God's word. Pray to understand it. Pray as you read it. Pray that God will open the eyes of the mind to understanding and let it become that powerful thing that it intended to be. Years ago, you know, and many were forbidden to read the Bible. Right? There was a priest in Belgium who saw her reading the Bible. Her brother also. He looked at him and said, you should not be reading that bad book. Pointing to the Bible. The young lady looked at him and said, Mr. Priest, a little while ago, my brother was an idler, a gambler, a drunkard, and made such a noise in the house that no one could stay in it. Since he began to read the Bible, he works with industry, goes no longer to the tavern, no longer touches cards, brings home money to his poor old mother, and our life at home is quiet and delightful. How comes it, Mr. Priest, that a bad book produces such good fruits? But the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they read the Bible. This leads me to another point. Wrong interpretation, wrong application will bring disaster. Or put in another word, bad theology 
leads to bad behavior. How can it be? We see this in history. We see that in the words of the Bible. Read Judges chapter 20 and 21. The author writes several times, there was no king in Israel. In those days, every man did what was right in his own eyes. Terrible story. Almost ended up wiping out the entire tribe of Benjamin. And all the women of the tribe of Benjamin were slain. Ponder the paths of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn your foot to the right or to the left. Remove your feet from evil. Proverbs 4, 26 and 27. When we read the Bible again, we must pray that it has that saving and softening effect upon us. I've seen so many times over the years where someone will substitute something else than the Bible. Sometimes we put the Bible aside and we just read what is known as the spirit of prophecy. I'm not saying that's wrong or bad. I'm just saying it's not meant to replace the Bible. The author would tell you the same thing. One of her last messages was, I present to you this book. It is the greater light. Jesus in his prayer in the garden said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. There is no substitute for the word of God. Use the spirit of prophecy, but make sure you recognize it's a lesser light that points to the greater light. In fact, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, and let the Bible explain itself. And you'll be amazed at what it does to the mind. Proverbs 14, 12. It states, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. This warning. This warning is against trusting to the guidance of the conscience without checking the constant conscience constantly against the teaching of the word of God. Many have persuaded themselves that God will accept a substitute for his precise requirements only to find they have lost it all. We can see in the New Testament the attitude of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In destroying the very one 
who came to save them. When the death, the Lord of glory, we see this in the Reformation era. Putting to death those who advocated for the word of God. They were burned. They were thrown in prison. Their books were banned. Recently, I read the story of William Tyndale. He translated the words, he translated the scripture into the English language. And for his crime, he was executed. He went with joy to his death. Because he knew that God's word would prevail. The only way, brothers and sisters, we can be successful in our walk with God is to hide his word in our hearts. Praise God for the privilege of having his word. May it become the joy and rejoicing of our hearts. Now I want you to watch in closing this TikTok video of a man who was in China. Let's listen to his story. It's just a brief three and a half minutes. When you teach in China, you start at eight in the morning and you don't get done till five at night. You teach the whole day. They were sitting there, all 22 of them, and I looked around and I said, now, if we get caught, what will happen to me? They said, oh, you'll get deported in 24 hours and we'll go to prison for three years. I said, you're kidding. How many of you have been in prison for your faith? Out of 22, 18 raised their hands. I thought, no way. I looked at them and I said, you, you 22 people, how many people do you oversee? Because they were all of these small group leaders, underground church leaders in the Hunan province. I said, how many, if you counted up all the people under your jurisdiction, how many would it be? And they counted them up and they said, a little over 20 million. I said, what? See, we forget there's 1.3 billion people in China. This is crazy. Well, I had 15 Bibles and I passed them out, obviously seven didn't get them, and I said, let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 and we're going to read it. And just then one lady handed hers to somebody next to her. And I thought, hmm, interesting. Well, we turned there anyway, and as we started reading it, I understood why she gave it away. She had memorized the whole thing. She just recited the whole chapter. When it was done, I went over to her at a break and I said, you, you, you recited the whole chapter. She says, oh yes, I've memorized many chapters. I said, where did you memorize many chapters? She said, in prison. Did you have much time in prison? So I said, but don't they confiscate the Bible? She said, yes. So people bring in scriptures written on pieces of paper and they bring it in. 
So I said, but then if they find that piece of paper on you, won't they confiscate that? She said, oh yes, that's why you memorize it as fast as you can. Because even though they can take the paper away, they can't take what's hidden in your heart. Well, after three days, you fall in love with these people. And when it was done, I said, how can I pray for you? I'm going to go back to America. You guys have been just so wonderful. How can I pray for you? They said, you know, Wayne, you guys can gather like this whenever you want to in America. We can't. Could you pray that one day we'll be just like you? And I looked at him and I said, I will not do that. Big, incredulous eyes looked at me and they said, why? <laughs> I said, because you guys rode a train for 13 hours to get here. In my country, if you've got to drive more than an hour, people don't come. You sat on a wooden floor for three days. In my country, if people have to sit more than 40 minutes, they leave. You sat not only here for three days on a hard wooden floor, but you did it without air conditioning. In my country, if it's not padded pews and air conditioning, people don't often come back. In my country, we have an average of two Bibles per family. We don't read any of them. You hardly have any Bibles, and you memorize them from pieces of paper. I will not pray that we become like uh, you become like us, but I will pray that we become just like you. Dismiss us with your blessing, Father, and re with a renewed interest in your word. May we love it, may we cherish it, may we hide it in our hearts and serve you with a full purpose and love you supremely. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.